You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends, your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, LGB on the LOB, Locked On Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Appreciate everybody for making Locked On Browns your first listen day in, day out, whatever podcast platform you folks use. We are always there, always available daily and always free. This episode of Locked On Browns is brought to you by, Pete's going to love this one, folks. Locked Browns is brought to you by the fine folks over at McDonald's. McDonald's is proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. Well, your host, Jeff Lloyd, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd, at Lockdown Browns, the Twitter accounts. Uh, Pete Smith's going to join us here today. Um, it is Crossover Thursday. Um, final two segments, we're going to talk with James Rapian and uh, Jake Liskow, uh, you know, Lockdown Bengals. Um, certainly a little bit different uh, in our, some of our previous conversations over the last couple of years with the guys from Lockdown Bengals. But we're going to get to all that. <clears throat> it's obviously come to a head and the Odell Beckham Jr. situation with the Cleveland Browns and what was done yesterday. It was, there was no way of going around it. There was no way coming back from it. Um, And for everybody, I mean, I, I still can't believe I'm getting some responses back on social media. If you think Odell Beckham Jr.'s dad did this without his son knowing and any of that stuff, Good Lord, kids, come on now. I mean, it's – look, I understand you love the guy. Hell, I love the guy. I mean, I put up the episode today purposely when Pete and I covered um, the actual day the Browns traded for Odell. Everybody was excited. Everybody was juiced. Um, but it never came near to matching the hype. It, you know, and I, even until – I would say up until yesterday, it was still something that everybody thought, hey – you know, maybe there's an outside chance. Maybe there's an outside chance these two click. But the uh, the stone was cast yesterday. Um, the Browns had no choice, um, you know, and you know, there's a lot of nuances to this. But Baker, I mean, Odell Beckham Jr. yesterday basically chose himself and basically looked at, you know, basically said to everybody else in that locker room in that organization, I care about me. And it, it it's where this team is at now. Uh, we'll get into it a little bit here with Pete, the situation where it's at, you know, where do they go from here? But Pete, there was no coming back from that yesterday. And even if it was just his dad did something stupid and posted something, you would have saw something from Odell. You would have saw his father's post disappear. You certainly wouldn't have seen somebody like LeBron, LeBron James jumping into it. Browns did what had to be done, Pete. Well, I was willing to give his dad the benefit of the doubt until LeBron tweeted. And then it felt very, uh, set up uh like the, the villagers were deadline. coming with the torches you, one of yeah. your favorite seinfeld one of your favorite simpsons gifts yeah i mean the the reality is that you know once they went down the road i don't think there was no coming back but apparently odell has made it very clear that there's no coming back which is fine 
Um, I think the Browns handled it like a professional organization should. It took a day to sort out. Uh, they still have to sort of come up with the actual like firm way they're resolving it, but he's done. Um, and it's difficult to sort of, I mean, it's difficult to be that bummed about it because we haven't seen him do anything. So, you know, it's not some crushing thing. And that's part of the problem is um, Beckham played this, you know, he, he may have been basically understanding that this was always going to be a disaster um, and might as well just sort of roll with it. But, um, you know, it's just like he made, he made it easy for the team. He made it very – like there was no, uh, you know, uncertainty in which way they had to go. He made, it, made himself the villain even though, you know, I, I think Odell Beckham may have had some real legitimate points – but the way this thing sort of unfolded and the way he handled it made it so even if you think he's right about certain things that you can't that you, he alienates you a lot of a lot of people and including probably teammates uh with how this went down um i take baker at his word that he was sort of surprised i don't think this is something that was sort of like brewing i think this is something that sort of just came to a head and and Beckham made the decision he made. Uh, they move on. So as a result of not really missing him, it doesn't feel like a huge deal that they don't have him from here on out. Uh, it's it's a loss in terms of what might have been, but the fact that it wasn't going to happen, you just sort of move on and, and play with the guys you have. It's not as if, like, it, let's put it this way. It's way less disappointing that it this is ending like this than when he actually tore his ACL last year. That felt like a much more gutting situation, a more depressing situation, even though the Browns would go on to win that game, to lose him to injury than this. Because even at least last year, you had games like the Dallas Cowboys where you could point to and go, well, there it is. We just have to find a way to make it happen consistently. And this year, you've got none of that. And, you know, in a lot of ways, I think, People, you know, as much, beyond the whole salacious nature of this and, and the the drama, I think people are almost just as happy to see Donovan Peoples Jones is back at practice, which is sort of where this thing's at. It's not the end of the world. They have nine games to play. They can easily put themselves right back in the playoff picture because nobody's running away with this conference at this point. So, I think Beckham has largely diffused the situation by making it like this. And then the team has sort of responded in kind by, by just saying, all right, we're moving on. And that's great. Like the, you know, obviously there, there have been teams, including the Cleveland Browns who have handled this type of situation really poorly, namely Josh Gordon going for years and years and years and letting that sort of be this consistent <laughs> divisive issue. And here they just said, Nope, we're moving on. This is, we're not going to allow this to happen. I appreciate the way they handled it, even though people in the media, or, or at least I saw some pundits unhappy with how Kevin Stefanski handled the press conference. You know, I I don't, it, this is the same Kevin Stefanski we've seen on everything. So I'm not terribly surprised by that either. So, you know, now you just move on to the Bengals. And if the Browns go out and win, you know, it's going to change the dynamic of this thing. If they go out and lose, then it's going to feel like, you know, a continuation of this frustration and just sort of just being stuck in neutral. Uh, I think in some ways this might be sort of a way to 
galvanize the team a little bit uh, because instead of having, yeah, I mean, instead of having like this potential divisive thing in there, now it's basically, look, that's gone. We either have to move on or we can sit there and pout about it, but only one of those things is going to help their individual careers in this overall team. So I think they're going to use it to help them hopefully win. And, and that's the thing. And look, I mean, uh, it, it was not a workable situation and a situation like this. And, and this is where it's a little bit, you know, kind of, this is where it is a little bit difficult because for the most part, you know, Odell is, you know, towed the line and kind of killed that myth of, you know, what he built up, you know, with the giants, you know, in the fact that, and this is where it, it's kind of the same situation, but it's also a lot different, Pete. There's players in the NFL right now today who can get away with what Odell Beckham Jr. let happen yesterday. And you want to know what? Teams are going to say to the rest of their team, eat it, guys. We need them. And when he was with the Giants, he could do whatever the hell he wanted. Because if they didn't have him, and not like they really want anything while he was there, they didn't have a prayer. Um, But it's different here now with the Browns. This roster has a lot of talent. Are they underachieving? No doubt about it. Is the quarterback not playing as well as he needs to play? There's no doubt about that. But the point is, is, you know, he's at best an average receiver right now. And for everybody crying this elite, my man ain't been elite in a long, long time. And I'm not trying to diss that. I love the player, always have. I was one of these guys who defended him to no end while he was with the Giants. And But what he did yesterday, I mean, it's inexcusable. And, you know, I love the way the Browns just basically said swiftly and decisively, we're moving on. We, we just can't have this. And, you know, meanwhile, you have Odell, and this comes down to money, and don't think it doesn't. You know, my stats aren't where they need to be. I am going to be a free agent this offseason at 29 years old. And so, you know, I'm sure we're going to get a bunch of nice workout videos and that type of thing showing how great he is once free agency comes around. That's fine. It, that, that is what it is. But there also is a fact of the matter that Baker Mayfield is a million-time better quarterback when he plays football without Odell Beckham Jr., whether he was part of the Browns or he wasn't, you know, with Odell Beckham, without Odell Beckham Jr., PFF wise, he carries a 90 uh, passing grade of almost 91, 7.2 big time throw percentage, fantastic, 2.5 turnover worthy throw percentage with Odell. His passing grade is under 70. His uh, big time throw ability goes down to 4.5 percent. His turnover worthy throws gets almost closer to four. It just never worked. And, you know, they could have tried this and maybe whatever, and see if this didn't happen yesterday and see where it ended up. I don't know. And there was enough length to it that we saw it. It was just not going to work. I don't know if it's that, you know, Baker gets so keyed in a looking at Odell that it, it takes him out of the, the speed he needs to be to get the rest of the progressions. Or, you know, when Odell is not the first read, you know, by the time Baker gets to him, it's too late more. It, it just was not working. It, it was never going to be the thing we all hoped it would be. You know, even though Odell, his first three years in the league, you were talking about a guy who maybe looked like he was going to go on a Jerry Rice pace. But all that is over. And the bottom line is, and now this team had to spend an entire day yesterday dealing with this nonsense where they may be facing the biggest game of their season right now, Sunday, in Cincinnati. They don't want to be 4-5 and five as much as the AFC is – you know, looking sort of advantageous, they would have probably most likely ended up two games 
out of third place, for God's sakes, in the AFC North. So, I mean, it was time, and it was over. And, you know, did Odell maybe just say, you know what, fine, I'm the problem, whatever. I'll go back to, you know, putting the spotlight on myself, and we'll just go about this route. And, and you know, the Browns, now the Browns will move on. And, yes, it will all be, you know, rainbows and sunshine and butterflies if the Browns win Sunday in Cincinnati. If they don't, not really sure where it goes from here. But, uh, Pete, and now let's get into this. I mean, where do you go? I mean, is it now Donovan Peoples-Jones getting the opportunity that maybe, you know, we talk, heard so much about in the summer and how well he was doing and how much difference you saw in this player in year two where he was more comfortable, he was more confident, had his body ready, was more in tune to what was required of him as a pro. Um, do we start to see maybe a little bit more of Rashard Higgins worked in, somebody that Baker has always worked well with? You have Anthony Schwartz, and you. It, I don't want to put anything on Jarvis here, and I'm not trying to, so please don't go there because, I, guys, I'm not doing that. But the Browns are going to have yet another wide receiver decision to make this offseason as well. So you have DPJ, you have Anthony Schwartz, Pete, there's got to be a way here where you're starting to get a read on these guys because it looks like minimum you're going to need two wide receivers, keeping in mind that he, Higgins is also a free agent at the end of this year. So you have to really start to get a good read on what number 11 and number 10 are so you know where you're putting basically you know the emphasis of need at that wide receiver position. Is it a major need? Is it we need some guys that can fill in the cracks? We need some depth? And, you know, with nine games to go, you should be able to get a decent, decent read on that wide receiver room and how you're going to plan for it going further. Well, they need to overhaul the top of the wide receiver room. I mean, Beckham's gone. Landry's got nine games left. I, I see no reason for him to be back next year. Uh, and, and, and I think the reality is I think he's – probably going to make it very I predict this would happen is I think people are going to ultimately fall out of love with Jarvis Landry in a hard way and realize it's not some dreams you know not some great thing to have him and ultimately they're going to be sort of like uh we're ready to go um but that doesn't mean they can't be successful they can you know not having Odell Beckham sort of eliminates this talking point of well how how do we get him involved and you get back to where they should be and I think how the Browns always operated which is we're just trying to find the ways to win and that's trying to find the guy who's open. That's trying to create more opportunities for what the defense is giving them. Now with Donovan people's Jones, hopefully healthy. That's a big deal because he played really well before he got the tweaked groin. Um, you know, I think Harrison Bryant should get more involved because he's been really good. That's a connection that's been missed, but there's been a lot of yards left out there with Harrison Bryant. Uh, obviously David Njoku should continue to get the mm -hmm. ball. I like Austin Hooper more than a lot of people do. I don't like it when he drops it, but I think he's really useful. And then you do have guys like Richard Higgins, who's in the past been really effective with Baker Mayfield. And I don't expect him to suddenly not be uh, this year. And, you know, at some point, Anthony Schwartz is hopefully going to learn how to play wide receiver and he can do some stuff. But you do have guys like Demetric Felton who can <laughs> add to that. Hopefully get Kareem Hunt back at some point. He can add into that element. But Instead of worrying about, well, what are we supposed to do with this sort of, you know, the elephant hanging in the room there, you are now just going, how do we get the ball down the field and how do we score points, which is where the Browns have always been their best, where Baker's been at his best. And I don't think not having Odell Beckham is suddenly going to be a magic wand for him, given the situation they're in. 
But nevertheless, I, I do think it's going to focus this team in a certain respect, and they do need to sort of figure it out uh, quickly because they do need to win this game, you know, if, if they can help it, to change how this team is viewed, to change how their confidence is, and to get them sort of going on the same page because that's been sort of a lingering impact all year. I think some of that has been various players on this team trying too hard, but now you've got this sort of other thing that has taken up some of that pressure. And I'm curious if that, you know, works as a release valve for this team and they just start playing as and having fun in the sense of, you know, there, there's been all this talk about how they, they, they don't look like they're having fun. Meanwhile, Miles Garrett is having all kinds of fun and playing really, really well. I think the Browns <laughs> and the Chiefs have that in common where they are pressing so hard and it doesn't work. And then they press even harder and it only makes bad things worse. You're seeing that with Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. And I think when you sort of take it from that outside view, I think it can sort of bring some needed perspective. Now that doesn't mean Baker Mayfield doesn't need to play better. He does. And that's the other thing is like, this obviously puts added pressure on him to perform even with the injury. So that's another element to this, but, um, they didn't have Odell Beckham a lot last year. They were successful. Now they do have to find ways to stretch the field and create the spacing that they had with him. Uh, but they've got to find a way to move on, advance, and hopefully get healthier while improving. And with that, you know, that you know closes the book on Odell Beckham Jr. In 29 games with the Cleveland Browns, a little bit less than four receptions per game, a little bit less than 55 yards receiving per game and uh, 0.3 touchdowns in 29 games. Um, as exciting as it was, as hyped as everybody was, uh, never even came close to the appeal of the move John Dorsey made then with the New York Giants. It is Crossover Thursday. We thank Pete here for his time. Make sure you check everything out uh, through Brown's Digest on Sports Illustrated. Uh, make sure you check out the latest, uh, for Pete's sake, uh, podcast, Pete Nicole did a fantastic job, obviously, breaking down the week. And then, obviously, all the situations from yesterday, so make sure you're checking that out. We're going to get to James and Jake here as we continue to roll on in Crossover Thursday on Locked on Browns. This episode of Locked on Browns is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect a place where classmates can meet up for a study group knowing they'll have dependable Wi-Fi and endless supplies of French fries and McFlurries. Win or lose is a place where teammates, competitors, the home team, or the away team can come to recharge. It's a place you look forward to stopping to on a long road trip to rest your legs and refuel. Did anybody mention maybe a watch party? Lockdown Browns? Watch party at McDonald's? Who knows? Perhaps. Maybe one day. Um, everybody knows Look, McDonald's, whether it was getting an ice cream on the way home from a baseball game, you wait till the end there, sir. Or the two for five breakfast menu, a couple sausage with muffins for $5. Um, look, McDonald's 1965, um, huge part of every community. Um, whether or not, you know, you were a big McDonald's person or not. And obviously, you know, I've been trying to be a little bit more healthy every now and then we all find our ways to indulge from time to time. McDonald's da, 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 da. I'm loving it. Chime in here, Pete. Stop hiding. You're not loving it because you've been hiding for over a year. 
That is true. That is true. That is true. There will be a time. There will be a time. Um, and like I said, we're going to get onto it now here with Lockdown Thursday. Let's keep things rolling on this crossover Thursday, a Battle of Ohio edition. And Jeff Lloyd of Locked On Browns is here with Jake Lisko, my co-host of Locked On Bengals. I'm James Rapine. And let's be honest, Jeff, uh, we got to start with topic A, OBJ, uh, the stuff that went on the other day. Man, I'm rhyming um, with his dad <laughs> and, and him talking about uh, how open Odell Beckham Jr. is. And then LeBron James, who is a Browns fan, says free OBJ and he doesn't get dealt by the deadline. And so he's, I assume, going to play on Sunday against the Bengals. And uh, I don't know, are things rosy between him and Baker? What's what's going on? And, and how worried should this Bengals secondary be about uh, OBJ? Well, first things first, if he plays or he doesn't play, I don't know how concerned they would have to be with him anyway. Um, there's really not much going on in that avenue. Um, Tuesday was difficult. Um, and look, it, it doesn't take anybody. And we've been over this, you know, on the show a, a million times. It's not working. You have enough of a sample size where you can say Baker Mayfield exponentially plays better when Odell Beckham Jr. is not in the lineup. It's not a one-time thing. I mean, we've had, I mean, he's been out of the lineup almost more than he's been in the lineup in his tenure here with the Browns. And you have the 2018 season to go to with Baker Mayfield as well, where he played really well. It's just not a situation that's not working. Is is it that you know Baker focuses too much on Odell and then doesn't focus on the rest, uh, you know, of the route progressions, or is it that he's so worried about the rest of the route progressions that he doesn't give enough time to make Baker Mayfield? I mean, to make Odell Beckham his first target. Whatever it is, it, it's been too long now, and now it's to the point where you're hoping and praying it works, as opposed to having any statistical any statistical backing to the fact that you know it works and maybe it's just been stymied for a week or two by a good defense it's just not a workable situation i mean look i mean i can give you players names of Rashard higgins much better success rate with baker mayfield Rashard perriman much better success rate donovan people's jones the list goes on and on i don't know what it is and there's no way you can put blame on either single one guy it's just something where it doesn't work together now what happened today look i mean we've seen this song before this is the same thing that got him traded out of new york to begin with it's it's just not and this is the thing that ag aggravates and frustrates for me from my standpoint both guys are in the same boat odell beckham jr has zero guaranteed money after this season so he's playing for a contract just as much as baker mayfield is playing for his contract extension odell's out here getting family members involved getting lebron james involved baker mayfield's actually out here playing injured and pretty much hurting whatever his contract extension value is there's no way he's making any more money so you have two guys trying to get to the same ultimate prize and they're going about it in such different avenues look you can they can say all they want tomorrow or this that and the other thing nobody's gonna believe this is a workable situation you'd be a fool to believe it's a workable situation um you know it's all on the browns court as to what they do i mean if they wanted to i mean they could probably find a way to suspend them i don't think they're going to do that at four and four um, because they certainly need every horse possible, but it's just, it's been really bad and it just doesn't show any signs of getting any better. Why is that? Like, I, I, is it just personalities? Is it that Kevin Stefanski wants to live in 12 personnel with two tight ends on the field and feature the run game so much? Is it that, you know, the, the Kevin Stefanski offense makes his wide receivers block more maybe than Odell Beckham wants to from tight splits in the run game and these sorts of things, because we saw Stefan Diggs didn't like playing apparently in the Kevin Stefanski offense either. That's another star wide receiver. So 
I know you probably don't know the exact reason, but what would you say is the most likely reason it doesn't work? Because I just think back to when the Browns acquired Beckham and how excited the Browns community, Browns fans were to get this superstar wide receiver at the time. Oh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, and for me, the biggest Odell Beckham Jr. fan there is, you know, I, you know, was absolutely giddy to it. And, you know, hats off to her. Uh, friend Patricia Trainer, who kind of warned me, um, if it goes great, it's great. If it's not going well, it's it could get ugly really, really quick. And that was one Pat called. Um, but the thing is, and it probably is due to the system. The system really just isn't wide receiver friendly. When you're going to play that personnel of 12, 13, and so much is predicated on the run game and the play action. And a lot of it is, is what are you doing? You're trying to take that second tight end, that first head in. You're trying to recreate the same look you saw on a running play that they, the defense hasn't stopped maybe two or three times. And guess what now? Here's the wrinkle. We're not handing it to the running back. We have, you know, one tight end run the diagonal. We have run one tight end run a flat. And when they're this wide open, you know, three, four, five yards wide open, when they're schemed open off a of play action, why are you going to bother? Because you know you have a completion. You're going to have eight, nine yards of the pickup. You have tight ends who move pretty well in Austin Hooper, David Ajoku. They're able to give you yak ability. It's a safer play than to saying, you know, well, did the wide receiver get open? you know, under the safeties, between the linebackers, did he settle down in the sweet spot? And it's it's just not very conducive. And the thing is, where it is conducive for wide receivers, where it's never really succeeded a lot yet with Coach Stefanski, is in the deep game. You know, and taping, taking the deep shots, and which you would have wanted to see against Pittsburgh, where the box was stacked, and there were so many guys up against the line of scrimmage, and it just never worked out. They didn't even take deep shots, barely even tried. And you have no idea truly what the limitations are with Baker, Right now, with the shoulder, you obviously think on the shorter passes, he's going to be able to control the ball a little bit better. It seems when he you know, opens it up a little bit is when the ball starts to flutter, wobble a little bit more. We've seen that at times. Um, so it's it's an interesting, you know, he, Odell Beckham Jr. is upset. And I got to be honest, rightfully so. You know, he, whether he is or he isn't, because I don't think anybody knows truly whether or not he's still a top 10 or top 15 wide receiver in this game right now. But he's not even got the opportunity to show whether he is or he isn't. And that's probably where he is frustrated. And you look at the Browns sitting here at four and four. I'm sure they're frustrated because this is a guy they probably were hope. And maybe there was some false hope coming back that first game against the Bears. Five catches, 71 yards. It was like, wow, everything looks really good. It looks like he's you know who we were waiting to get back. And now here we are, you know, three four weeks later, and it's you know it's been worse than it ever was. And you have a really really motivated quarterback. You have a really really motivated offense that just is struggling so badly because they're caught between the fact that you know they want to open it up a little bit more, but they don't have faith in any way of opening up this passing game anymore. So now we're playing the same offense we saw in year one of the Stefanski system. Jeff, let's, let's talk about uh, the rest of the team. Cause the OBJ saga, the drama, whatever it's, it's gone on now since he arrived there during the Freddie kitchens era in 2019. But this team entered this year with the highest of expectations. Uh, obviously you won a playoff game last year. They're four and four right now. They've dealt with a ton of injuries so just kind of give us almost a state of the union Browns edition, because I think a lot of Bengals fans have changed their tune for how this game is going to go and almost expect to win. And I think that's fair, especially at home, regardless of how the Browns are playing, because the Bengals expect to be in games with the Browns. But why do you think that this Browns team is, is going to win Sunday if you think so? And, and, and why can they still turn it around? Why is there still some hope here? Uh, well, some things that have been, you know, part of a problem here this year, the offensive line has not completed one game yet together with the starting unit. That's, you know, and look, you know, everybody else kind of goes through that, 
But for the Browns, the calling card and probably the best positional unit on this team is that offensive line. So not having all five of them intact, and they will not be intact as Jack Conklin's going to be out for the foreseeable future. Um, then the running back room, um, you know, Kareem Hunt, it wasn't a surprise that he didn't do so well against Arizona. He's always been so much better with Nick, the two of them together. You know, Nick's obviously shown with the Browns his own you know repertoire as the feature back. But Hunt, it was kind of like their styles just meshed so well. You know, you know, Nick would run through you and around you and past you. And Kareem was allowed to get to the hole and say, all right, I'm going to absorb contact because I'm not taking 25 carries a game. So I can go a little further, go a little more physical. And you saw that a little bit with Dearness Johnson. Defense is where I think things got a little bit wonky. Um, you know, Joe Woods, his entire time here, want to talk about how he wanted to get to play three safeties. All right. So finally, this year, you had Grant Helpit. You had Ronnie Hillman. I mean, yeah, yeah, you had Ronnie Harrison, sorry. You had John Johnson III for the first six weeks. John Johnson III was a ghost. They didn't really know how to use him. They weren't using him correctly. Ronnie Harrison, here was a guy where maybe Browns were talking about, wow, what's going to cost here in an extension to where right now, I'm not sure if the Browns would say, you know, two years, eight million, let's go and do it because he's playing undisciplined. Um, he got tossed from one game, a terrible, terrible late hit last Sunday. Grant Delpit. Grant, you're going to say it's his rookie year, and you're also going to say, look, Achilles and anybody, you know, as many guys as you talk, players as you guys talk to, you understand that's the one that's really, really difficult because, you're t- you know, an athlete is just – it's so different to come back from an Achilles. There's been times where he's looked really good. There's times where he's looked lost. There's times where he's looked like he doesn't have confidence. So you want to play three safeties, but your top three safeties, you have question marks all over the place. You tried to transcend, transcend into a faster defense. Jeremiah Wusukoromo was the key of this, and it really, really took off. And then against Cardinals, suffered a high ankle sprain. We're lucky if we'll see him maybe by December. So the, there were players that they were really, really counting on in the uh, you know on defense and in the secondary, and it just hasn't happened. The hope for me for Sunday is if we're looking for rock bottom, I I, I don't think we can look any further. Uh, you know, apparently now we have you know, wives sticking up for quarterbacks. We have dads jumping in. Uh, you know, players you know, messaging their favorite pro athletes to come bail them out. And meanwhile, you have guys like Miles Garrett probably sitting over here like, wow, I, I think people thought me having some fake graves for quarterbacks was a bad thing. And now this is where we are in look for coach Stefanski and Andrew Berry. This is going to be the ultimate test because you can do things through an analytic lens or you can do things from, you know, well, this is how I learned it. And I've been around this organization for so long. Okay. Well, here is a big pile of, junk there's no analytics for this guys how do you now make this a workable situation against a team that can light up the scoreboard sunday and look for the Bengals, this is probably what they're looking to do hey all right well look you guys transcended your team around in what a season and a half well why do we think we can't do that so you know for the Bengals, everything's on the table and for the browns if it's not a win on sunday i mean you're really talking the possibility that you know as promising as 2021 looked it could be over for whatever reason, the Cleveland Browns and the circus can't seem to escape each other, no matter how the results may be from one season to the next. And for this week, at least, it's back in Cleveland, and we'll see how that plays out in terms of the football field on Sunday. And if Miles Garrett, he of the quarterback grave, mild controversy <laughs> in retrospect, can do enough to disrupt the Bengals offense. Welcome back, everybody, to Crossover Thursday here on Lockdown Browns. And I think Jake and James have kind of been waiting for this one here. Uh, roles are a little bit reversed here nowadays. Um, you know, for a while, it was the Browns, one of the cellar dwellers of the AFC North, riding up to the top. 
now maybe it looks like roles are reversed and, you know, all things are looking really, really positive for the Bengals right now. Last Sunday, notwithstanding, but look, uh, you know, as you make your rise up the charts every now and then, you know, you got to remember it's still the NFL. So maybe a tough one last week here. But for you, uh, I'll start here with James. Um, James, look, we've always had this friendly banter back and forth over the last couple of seasons between uh, Joe Burrow, between Baker Mayfield. And <laughs> look, everything is clicking right now. And one thing I want to say, so your Bengals listeners hear me, it was never about Jamar Chase, the player. It was never about that. It was making sure you were protecting the ultimate investment for this Bengals franchise, which is Joe mm -hmm. Burrow. But talk a little bit here about year two. And I think this is one thing that not a lot of people talk about with Joe Burrow was it wasn't a very huge sample his rookie year. So there's still, you know, some growing pains and learning and the opportunity to get even better here in year two. And for the pairing of Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, I think if the Bengals could, you know, find a way to do 10-year deals right now today, I think they'd be putting pen to paper. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you're right. They probably would. And they might get some good value there given – what we've seen from them through eight weeks, right? That connection is special. Jamar Chase, seven touchdowns up until Sunday against the Jets when they uh, threw coverage his way the whole game and took away the big play. He had a, a catch of 34 yards or more in every single game this season, so the, the first seven weeks. So he's been explosive. And th that's the thing is Burrow's downfield passing is, has been so much better this year versus last year. And I think that's a big difference when you look at year one versus year two or 10 games. And that's all he played last year, 10 starts versus what he has done so far this season. But, you know, there are things, you know, he, he seems to throw an interception a week now for one reason or another, and they're not all his fault, things he wants to cut out. But overall, when you look at the numbers, the completion percentage, the fact that the offensive line still isn't great, it's not like we're talking about a world beater offensive line. I think you see the path now to where this, Offense can be really, really, really good this year. And, you know, we, we've seen it over the past couple of weeks. They've topped the 30-point mark in three straight games. So we'll see if they can continue that on Sunday against the Browns. They might need to, given how Baker Mayfield – I know he's been bad this year, at least with the injury, but uh, he's uh, torched the Bengals in recent years. So we'll see. Uh, certainly looking to, uh, you know, forward to that. Uh, Jake, do me a favor here. Talk a little bit here. It doesn't seem like the running game, it, like it comes and it goes, and maybe they don't really need it like they did in years past, obviously. Um, but to make that run and obviously to be successful as you're going to get here to December, you're going to need that. But talk about like the rest of the offense here. I mean, because I don't think many people realize that there's other people really producing here right now because I think Jamar Chase has just taken the league by storm. And I don't know if anybody's really done much homework besides the Burrow-Chase combination. There are times, Jeff, that this offense looks like it's a whole bunch of guys out there running around, and when Burrow finds Chase in a one-on-one, -on -one, that's their only offense. There are other times they find busted coverages and call brilliant plays and find C.J. Uzama in those holes, and C.J. Uzama's been a bit of an X-factor as a tight end, and it's been streaky, but there are two games against Jacksonville and against, uh, what was it, Detroit? two weeks ago that, that he just shows up and, and no, it was against Baltimore. Sorry, mm -hmm. Baltimore two weeks ago where, where Uzama has these huge games and, and scores two touchdowns in both of those games. But while the Bengals have been really good with Frank Pollock in, insofar as running the wide zone scheme where PFF has them as the number two wide zone team in all of football behind Jacksonville, they're really struggling at center and right guard. So there are three positions on the Bengals offensive line where they've been solid or even better than solid. 
Jonah Williams, Quentin Spain, Riley Reef, left tackle, left guard, right tackle, respectively, have all been totally fine, if not better than fine. At times, Spain has looked like a pro bowler, although last week against New York, he, he did give up, I think, his first sack of the season at left guard. Trey Hopkins coming back from his ACL tear in January has been rough. He's been missing at least a day of practice each week to try to manage the knee, I think. And there's really nobody else. It's gotten to the point where Billy Price, who the Bengals traded for BJ Hill, who's been a fine role player and a good rotational interior defensive lineman for the Bengals, they might rather have Price at center. You know, if the history wasn't there and the struggles and the the drama from the previous organization, perhaps the previous coaching staff wasn't there with Billy Price. So on the other hand, Jackson Carmen starting at right guard has been up and down. He's been a young player is at times whiffing at times doing spectacular things like driving Brandon Williams, 10 yards downfield on a running play that finished in a pancake. So some inconsistency there. But when you talk about the run game, I think that you know, PFF had the Bengals running backs at 0.7 yards before contact tied for worse than the NFL. There've been some issues there despite the success of the wide zone. And one thing that the Bengals have been doing more of in recent weeks is they're implementing more jet motion from under center, which is something that was really lacking early on, providing that eye candy to make it less obvious that, Hey, we're going to line up and we're going to look like we're going to run outside zone. Then we're going to run outside zone. And when you look like you're going to run outside zone and you run outside zone, and you give no eye candy. A lot of times defenses can stop that. They've started doing more just misdirection stuff out of those heavy sets, out of those under center looks in the last few weeks. And we'll see if that continues to evolve throughout the season. But for me, the matchup that's going to be most interesting when the Bengals offense is on the field is how well can Jonah Williams contain Miles Garrett, who's been an absolute world beater off that left edge of the offense. It's it, it certainly, you know, I mean, we can say this every week is, you know, with the matchup versus Miles Garrett. But it also, I think here, weaknesses are going to match up because as, as you're talking about in questions on the interior of the offensive line, and I think the Browns have re- rode the Malik Jackson, um, Malik McDowell tandem to the best of their abilities. Malik Jackson's an older player. It looks like he's starting to hit a wall like a bye week couldn't come soon enough. Malik, I'm sorry, well, rookie wall applies more to Malik McDowell, obviously, with the absence of football for so many years. Um, getting in it, being in it this long. And now it's kind of like, you know, taxing, I think, to that point. And they certainly got pushed around by the Pittsburgh Steelers, on which we certainly were not expecting the run game. James, I'm going to come to you on the defensive side of the ball here. And I sat mm-hmm. with John Costco from PFF about a week ago. We were doing an overall AFC North preview here for the Browns. And he said that one thing that was interesting about the Bengals is if you broke down the defense individually, there's not much there. Um, you know, everybody knows about Jesse Bates and, you know, but he's like, but somehow, some way, when you look at it as, it as a unit, they're playing really, really well. And I think they're far, far exceeding expectations that people had for their defense. Yeah, they were up until, you know, Mike White took flight on them in New York. Look, you just, just don't, you just don't in, walk in, in and them. own Mike White. That just doesn't happen uh, in the NFL, it, guys. Apparently not. I mean, goodness. I, I'm sure Baker Mayfield called Mike and asked for some pointers. That trade for Joe Flacco looks really brilliant by the Jets right now, right? Right, exactly. So, uh, no, I, I think this defense, you're right. And, and John's right in the, the fact that, yeah, there's no superstar on this defense. But at every level, they have someone that can play at a high level and be a game changer. You know, DJ Reader has made game-changing mm-hmm. plays at nose tackle. Trey Hendrickson has six and seven sacks now, I believe. Or it might be – is it seven, Jake? We're up to seven? 
It's in that. I, I don't know the official count because I don't yeah. follow the official counts very yeah. well. Yeah, it's like seven, seven and a half. He had a sack and a half the other day, and and he's been a welcome addition on the edge. Um, you, you have so, so those are the two real game changers. Larry Ogunjobi, as you guys know in Cleveland, has uh, you, you know has flashed in, in his flash so far for the Bengals this year. So he's certainly a part of that defensive line rotation. But then you get to the that, that second level in the linebackers, and Logan Wilson has emerged, and he's had a really good year. Had the worst game of his season against the Jets, so he's going to be looking to rebound, and I think he'll be tested. Uh, early and often uh, against this Cleveland Browns team. And then the back end, Chidobe Awuzie has been a great addition. Mike Hilton, who's familiar with the AFC North, has made some plays. We know what Von Bell can bring as a big hitter and forcing turnovers and things like that. And then you mentioned Jesse Bates. So at every level, there's a guy that's capable of making a game-changing play. And we didn't know about Logan Wilson coming into the year. We didn't know if Trey Hendrickson was going to get the same sack production he had in, in New Orleans. We didn't know if – uh, you, you know, Cheeto would be able to be <clears throat> a number one corner, especially with Trey Wayne's out, but he's proven that he can do that. So this defense has exceeded my expectations. And even though Mike White took flight at the Meadowlands, uh, I do think that this defense is better than than most expected, including myself. Yeah, and it's been impressive. And look, and that's the key to it, um, you know, it, especially with you know, the state of the NFL where it is, you know, you need an offense that can score points. But you have to, you know, be able to play some sort of defense, and because you don't want to end up week in, week out getting into this, you know, who has the ball last, ball last type of mentality. We see too much of this. All these primetime games. This seems to be the way it, it ends up going, and it's kind of a rarity to actually have teams that play defense in the NFL right now. Um, so uh, we're looking forward to it here. Um, I think this game is certainly, you know, as the days are leading up to it, it's getting a lot more spicier. Um, you know, for the Bengals, it's a chance to separate themselves as you know the top half of the AFC North. For my Browns, it's difficult in the ultimate reality of his, you know, being four and five, being, you know, minimum two games locked into last place, which is certainly the possibility for the Browns if they don't pull this off on Sunday. Uh, and we'll see. I mean, I have no idea what the rest of the week entails. Maybe, you know, some of these guys' pets are going to take to TikTok and we'll get some information on what's going on, you know, within the buildings in Berea that way. Um, look, I, I, I missed I, I enjoyed the 20 months of covering football. Uh, I, I didn't miss the first two and a half years of covering nonsense and TMZ and tweets and Instagram and uh, public, I mean, social media nonsense. I, I, I long for the life I had one month ago, guys. Um, but look, we're going to get back to this a little later in the season. It, it could be even more you know, interesting, even more on the line then. Um, but for now, everybody, we appreciate everybody for jumping in here for Crossover Thursday. Listen to, you know, Jake and James daily on Lockdown Bangles. They do a fantastic job. Uh, we're going to continue to push through it here on Lockdown Browns, give you the best content we can day in, day out. Enjoy the game, everybody. May the best team win.